Hello, welcome to another episode of Catching Up With from the University of Brighton, a series of podcasts featuring discussions with staff from across the university. I'm Richard Newman, and in this episode, I've been speaking to Fiona Ponica, Senior Lecturer in the School of Pharmacy and Biomolecular Sciences, who talks about her passion for helping students overcome barriers which may affect their learning and about an interesting PhD subject. I have various job roles within the department and I am um, a senior lecturer. I lecture across all the undergraduate courses, predominantly in study skills related. So I do communication, presentation skills, the whole of the foundation study skills. And I'm also deputy course leader for that one. I also do research method for talk postgraduates, presentation and communication skills. Everything that's skills related is my thing. And I'm also the disability liaison officer. We'll come into some detail about your role then just in a minute, but can you tell us about your background? How have you arrived at this point? Oh, that's been quite a long process, actually. Um, so I had a dreadful time with my A-levels. Unfortunately, my father passed away just a few weeks beforehand. And in those days, we didn't have mitigating circumstances. So I basically went off and had to go and work and then later on decided to do A-levels at night class to prove that I could actually do them. And then at the age of 30, I took myself off to university to do a degree in French and then my PhD. We won't bother with what I do that one on. What do you want me to tell you what I did my PhD on? Yeah, go for it. So my PhD was on vampirism as a metaphor in late 19th century art and literature and what it said about society's worries at the time. So, well, yeah, of course we need to know about that. <laughs> It was just, why not? I'd been on my year abroad and desperate to read something in English. Found Jane Eyre as the only copy of something decent in English in the school library and thought, right, I'll reread that. And at one point, rereading that, Mason comes downstairs having seen the mad woman in the attic, covered in blood, and says, She sank her teeth into me as if she wanted to drain my very soul. And I thought, good grief, Mrs. Rochester's a vampire. Not as in the flat, flat, bat like sort of Dracula type ones, but. It suddenly had these massive links to all these different things within late 19th century literature where there were a lot of vampiric people. So that's why I started it. Okay, so where's Gio on from there? Um, so after that, I worked uh, a little while afterwards in, at the UEA, UEA where I was doing my PhD. Then I went to Brunel, a staff development officer um, on contract, and then things fizzled out a bit. So I thought, what can I do with my skill set? So I took myself off to something else and I landed up as a professional trainer in London, working with city companies, um, doing IT and soft skills, which has been brilliant for what I do now. And eventually I found my way back into the university system. <laughs> doing a bit of preparation ahead of this interview, having a little read into your research interests as well. It looks fair to say that you're very passionate about students getting the most out of their education. It might be how they learn, it might be barriers to learning, accessible learning. It's clearly a, a big passion of yours. Um, it is, and I think quite a lot of mine has been because I was, before I was school welfare officer as well, and often students would come to talk to me about certain issues they were having, and I'd have a think about it, just think, oh, actually I think there's quite a few other people have got these same problems, we need to look into it. If there's a problem, what's the solution? How can we make things better? You know, it's difficult enough coming to university at times, certainly when you've sometimes come in from backgrounds where you might not have um, a lot of money to help you out or whatever. I'm a self-funded little PhD. I know what it's like to struggle with the finances. Um, and to be able to find ways we can help those students through and to find out what problems might be preventing them from doing as well as they can be is really important to me. 
the mental health of of students is a, is a is a massive talking point at the moment and it's a, it's a good that's a good thing i mean it's being highlighted a lot more on the national press you see that on the front line so can you see how sort of how it's changed over time as well in terms of the level of support and you're on that front line um i think with the students that i see what's I was going to say what's nice. What's not so nice is obviously there's so many more people now who are being diagnosed with mental health issues. Um, that's a good thing in its own way, in as much as they're getting the diagnosis. But I think for me, it's having people being honest about it. I mean, I tell students myself that you know I've had bad times in my life when actually I've sought therapy, and I wish I'd done it earlier. And and for them to actually come to me and saying I'm having a problem with X, Y, or Z, mental health condition. It's just so brave and so honest of them to be able to tell us that. And I do my best to support them, you know, and send them off to the SSGT and disability team, etc., to get the sort of help. But having just that first thing of saying, I have a problem, is a massive step for them. And I applaud them for doing it. I imagine that you use your own experiences a lot when you're speaking to to students and there'll be lots of students that have doubts about whether they can complete a course whether they're in the right place whereas university is right for them so what do you what do you sort of say to them that you know anyone can do this or oh very much so um i always say to my students that when i got the results of my a levels i think i burst into tears and thought well that's the end of the world and if anybody had told me when i was 18 and and feeling as low as low as you could be that actually I would then become a lecturer in a science department at university, I would have been rolling about the floor in hysterical laughter, and I'd say, if I can do it, frankly, anybody can do it if they've got the will to succeed. You can do it. And can you see their mindset changing when you say that? I can, and actually one of the nicest things that happened to me was last year, one of my foundation year students popped into the office to see me at the end of the year and said to me, I have to tell you, you have changed my life. And she said, when I started this course, she said, I was feeling really rubbish about everything. My self-esteem was through the floor. I thought it was the end of things because I'd done so badly in my A-levels. But she said, now I'm looking forward to the future with a great deal of confidence and I'm so happy. Actually, I was almost in tears when she told me. To me, that really meant more than anything else. There will be a lot of students that feel they have um, limitations or there are roadblocks in the way, but they won't all have, they won't all have you to go to as well. So if people have if there's a student that maybe wants to discuss those roadblocks what what should they do oh i suppose in each department there will always be a member of staff who you get on with or who you think is more approachable or go to your ssgt really do that go and talk to someone and just say do you know what i'm struggling a bit with things and i don't know what to do we're all really approachable we will always do our best to point you in the right direction if we can't help you ourselves do you think that for, for younger students especially, that's a, the difficulty there is a mindset change because they've come from school where you don't really have that one-on-one relationship with your teacher quite as much as you would at university. Here, you're, you're, you know, at university, you're encouraged to, to speak to your lecturers. You have many lecturers. You have your SSGT, your personal guidance tutor. So you're trying to change that mindset to know that you can go and speak to a member of staff. Oh, absolutely. Um, And this year, as part of our Hit the Ground Running campaign, actually I was doing part of the little videos I put online for them. One of the things was saying, this is what the differences are between school and university and how we do things, etc., etc. But um, I also try and get in to see all of the first years at one point or another, often within the study skills thing, 
and I do talk to them about this is what you need to do. Don't leave it if you've got a problem. If you don't want to talk to somebody face-to-face, just send us an email. We will always make sure that gets responded to by the best person. Um, It's probably quite a tough question to answer, but do you have a most rewarding moment that you can maybe pick out from your time uh, doing the role that you do now? Or maybe several. You've mentioned one. I've mentioned one. Um, I've had quite a few like that. Do you know, it's with the students who I know have had massive personal problems. Watching them get their degrees, I always make sure on the degree ceremonies, and seeing them go across and get and get their degrees is just fabulous. That's what we're here for. And seeing people who've done it despite the problems that they've had is brilliant. Um, we always like to say, is there, is there a moment or a person that you sort of like you think has influenced you most in your career? But I guess do you sort of draw on your own experiences, or is it, or can you sort of feed off someone else as well that maybe sort of inspired you to go in this direction? Oh, that's a really interesting one. Um, first and foremost, I would say it's probably my dear old mother, who was a primary school teacher, and she had very much the attitude of always do your best. And sometimes even if I'd say, but I, I don't think I'm going to pass that or I'm not going to succeed, she'd say, it doesn't matter as long as you've always done your best. So that was always instilled in me from a young age. And I think after that, probably when I went to university, um, Clive Scott, who then became my supervisor for my PhD, was just such an astonishing lecturer and so enthusiastic about his subject and really into helping you through things because even university wasn't without its problems for me too you know with things going slightly wrong and all the rest of it but so encouraging to help you get through them so yeah I think those are probably the two people I'd say the the key ones. How long have you been uh, here at this university? Um, Oh gosh Um, I've been at Brighton now since 2003 in one way or another. Okay so you're probably well placed to, to answer this next question then if you could if you can pick something out maybe that the youth feel the university does best what would you pick that was quite an interesting question when I looked at it and I thought there's quite a few things what do I pick out from this I think it's probably the whole thing that everybody is inclusive and we welcome students with open arms no matter their background you know, whether it's terms of age, um, academic background, ethnicity, language, they're always welcomed here as a member of the family, really. We ask this on every podcast, so we're going to do some quick-fire questions now, so completely away from work. So, favourite place in Sussex, first of all? Um, that was also a difficult one. Gosh, Sussex is such a fabulous county. Um, I love being up on the Downs. I'm very fond of being up on places like Ditchling Beacon. But, you know, I'd have to say... If one place, I'd say Hove Seafront, it doesn't matter what the weather is, even when it's blowing a gale, I can always go for a walk there and feel just far better in myself from having done it. Yeah, it's always different. It is, it doesn't matter what, the, and every day, even during the day, the weather changes, it's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, what are you currently reading, watching and or listening to? Um, oh, crikey. So, read, I'm a voracious reader. That's not no surprise with the literature background. Um, I'm a great fan of BookBub. Um, because you can get all these free books and it's great because I can then dip into all authors that I don't know. So I've quite like Estelle Ryan's um, going to say art collection. There's a Gauguin, Dante connection, etc. And the protagonist is actually um, a university lecturer who is a high-functioning um, person, high-functioning autism is what she has and it's how she solves the case using her skills from that particular disorder. 
brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of listening, I have very eclectic music taste. It could be anything between 4A's Requiem to the Black Eyed Peas. And watching, um, I like a lot of the documentaries, especially wildlife ones. I watched the dynasties, the penguins were just lovely. And actually, actually watching the way that the crew decided that they were actually going to help dig out some of these penguins who were stuck and obviously weren't going to survive without some help. I just thought, yeah, that's a difficult decision to make, but well done, you. Love it. You managed to clear your schedule of any kind of responsibilities, nothing needs doing, so what, how would you spend your perfect weekend? Oh, perfect weekend would be just chilling out with friends, long leisurely meals, possibly taking a show or a film. Um, and I have to say, in the summer months, I, I quite love mooching through the car boot sales. I really love it. <laughs> Anyone in particular? Um, do you know, I think one of the best ones around is Rusper. Um... I don't know why, you just get a very unusual mix of things up there. I don't necessarily buy anything, I just like rummaging. <laughs> if you can invite three people to dinner, past or present, who would they be? Um, ooh, I think Michael Palin, not only because I'd love to ask him about his Monty Python days, but he's done so many good travel programmes. Um, he'd be an interesting chap. I think Julie Walters, who I, I just love her sense of humour, but she's come from also from a nursing background and... You know, it's gone through from being a brilliant straight actress as well as doing the sort of um, comedy that she's so good at. And the last person is, I would love to meet my great-grandfather and say, how on earth did you manage to become the Consul General for Serbia in Hamburg? I have no idea and I'd love to find out. (laughs) That's a very interesting subject. (laughs) I have an odd family, what can I say? (laughs) So family history is quite quite an interest of mine and... um, I'd just like to ask him some questions about the things I cannot seem to find the answers to. I'd love to meet him. Thank you to Fiona for her time. That would be a very decent dinner party indeed. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast through your favourite podcast provider. If you don't know, we're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye.